Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the podcast. We greatly appreciate your support. But right here at the top of the show, before we get started today, I wanted to send a shout out to friend of the show, Jay Fratt, who tweeted me a picture yesterday, and uh, I just wanted to give him a shout out here. He says, I'll just leave this here. And then it's a screenshot that says old mortgage, number of months left, 317. New mortgage, number of months left, 240. Months off of loan, 77. Think about that. 77 house payments gone. Years off loan, 6.4. Total savings, $206,906.53. That's worth repeating. $206,906.53. This is what Jay saved at SaveWithConrad.com. He made sure to put in the tweet, oh, by the way, my monthly payments went up a whopping $13. Thank you to Larry, Jennifer, Philip, and the entire team for making this decision super easy to go through. Cannot recommend looking into this info enough. So there you go. Savewithconrad.com. Save Jay and his family $206,906. And in order to save that money and cut 77 payments off of his loan, He's paying 13 extra dollars a month. Step one is to go to savewithconrad.com. Step two is to do a quick application, either online or over the phone. And step three is for us to give you three or four different money-saving ideas. And once you finish step four and pick the right option for you, you're off to the races. It really is that easy. This is a real-life example of someone who listens to this show and then went to savewithconrad.com to take my challenge. Find out how much money you can save for free. It's no cost, it's no obligation, and you don't need perfect credit, so why wouldn't you do this? And oh, by the way, we're licensed in more than 40 states, so we can help more families than ever before. So even if you've taken a look once upon a time into refinancing, it's worth another look right now. It was worth nearly 207 grand to Jay. Find out how much money you can save right now at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? You won't have to make your payment in July or August. You're done until September 1st. And come September, you've got a better mortgage. Get out of debt now. Keep more of your own money. Go to SaveWithConrad.com. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Brits. Brits. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She pooted. There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. Was he there? I was there. I don't give a shit. I ain't scared. I ain't scared to shock him. You, Bruce. Ah, Good night. Yeah. 
so big. Let's go. Bullshit. Welcome to WrestleMania. Girl title man. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Maybe the worst WWF pay-per-view of all time. This is certainly on the short list. Is it not King of the Ring 1995? We're saving it to do during King of the Ring time, uh, you know, on an anniversary, maybe in June, 2025. No, it'd be better to do it around there. A lot of people think that's a joke, but no, it's not like we do save things because here's the thing. If we just hit all the big topics, you know, eventually it's, we got to do like Sal sincere and nobody wants to hear about Sal sincere for three hours. Nobody. No, I I don't want to hear about Sal sincere for three minutes. So let's talk about this King of the ring show. The wrestling observer reader poll gave it 6%, 6.3% thumbs up and 85.8% thumbs down. They voted the best match as Shawn Michaels comma. That's where we are. And the worst match is Savio Vega Mabel, which is what we're about to see. But Meltzer wrote, <laughs> so how bad was it bad enough that when it ended 11 minutes early, nobody complained. Bad enough that the fans were chanting the promotion's name during the bad matches. Wait a minute. What do you mean? 11 minutes early Com- to, what do you mean? Uh, compared to what? What does that mean? Well, the show is only two hours and 35 minutes and 29 seconds. So for a three hour pay-per-view, it was pretty short. No, nah, it was a pay-per-view, man. We have a three hour window. This is a competition, Conrad. Sometimes matches just go a little bit shorter and we can't control that. Because it's it's a competitive environment, and sometimes the competitors' juices get flowing, and they're able to go out there and just have whippersnapper of uh, matches in no time. Yeah, Meltzer would write, and you thought the WWF because Jim Ross was on the booking committee was finally into programming talent ahead of size. Think of Ross's upbringing in wrestling. It was under Bill Watts who had been dragged kicking and screaming by Bill Dundee into pushing smaller guys. So lots of people think there's tons of blame to go around. Um, Mabel undertaker would be rated negative half a star and the best match on the card. In my opinion is the one we're going to get the end of here, which is Bret Hart and Jerry Lawler. And they're doing a kiss my foot match. And, uh, I don't know. Like I thought they did a good job with this, you know, putting together the angle and the storyline, you know, Bruce as a three-time karate black belt hall of famer. If there's one thing you're well-versed in it's pain. And I've read a lot about the relief that CBD offers from the extreme aches and pains. But what if there was something better than CBD? Well, I found it. It's called Leafa, and it's a brand new relief cream that works on contact and you don't need a prescription for it. Leafa contains over 3000 milligrams of CBD and beta cariophylline. Plus it has menthol. For those that don't know, beta cariophylline is another phyto compound like CBD, but instead of just reacting to receptors in the body, beta cariophylline binds to them, making it more powerful than just CBD alone. Leafa is the only formula on the market that contains these ingredients and they combine for a more fast acting targeted relief on contact. By the way, it feels really great with social distancing and sheltering in place. I've been trying to keep a little more active at home. 
but I'm not really that motivated because I'm tired and achy. I get really stiff and sore and I need some relief. I applied the leafa to my joints, especially my left knee, and man, it felt really great. It absorbed fast and left no greasy residue. Leafa made my left knee feel so much better on contact. It smells great too. It's not like a bad medicine smell, but don't take my word for it. Try it for yourself. Experience Leafa's relief. It's a free $60 value during Leafa's nationwide free trial. Now, all you've got to do is pay the shipping. To get your free Leafa, just go to getleafacomfort.com. That's getleafacomfort.com for your free trial. That's G-E-T-L-E-F-A-C-O-M-F-O-R-T.com. That's GetLeafaComfort.com. Let's have you watch the end of this with us, this Kiss My Foot match. Fire it up. WWE King of the Ring, 1995 from June 25th, 1995. And I want you to find... One hour, 43 minutes and 21 seconds. We're going to give you a minute to get there. It's one hour, 43 minutes and 21 seconds. That's where we're trying to get to here. And, uh, Bruce, I think we should uh, have you go ahead and give us a countdown and let's get going. I'm going to say countdown from five and then I'm going to say, go when I say, go do it. So five, four, three, two, one, go. And the hitman uh, getting ready to go up to the second rope here and come off with his patented fist or elbow drop. And man, I actually got to see Bret Hart this past weekend in Niagara Falls, Canada. Got to tell you, Conrad, it was great to reconnect with the hitman. Not just saying that. It was it was actually a, a hell of a time. How about in the front row there, behind Hebner, across from the hard cam? You've got the two dudes from the ECW arena who were always front row. Absolutely. And this was, uh, Bret Hart has a sharpshooter in Earl Hebner calling for the, by God, he knows how to call for the bell when that sharpshooter is locked in. Doesn't he listen to you? What? You just made up with him. And Look, if somebody in. puts a sharpshooter on you, Earl Hebner is going to call for that bell. And he's telling Brett right now, by God, Brett, break it or else you're going to lose this match here. But this was the buildup for this was whoever's going to kiss their feet. Lawler didn't wash his feet for like six years. Um, and it was some of the most entertaining promos back in the day. And I, I just love the way Brett, you know, gets up to the top rope and slowly undoes his boot with that just sly grin on his face, waiting for Lawler to have to kiss his feet. Beautiful drama. This is called story. It's storytelling, Connie. It's just classic storytelling. Lawler holding on to the referee, Hebner. You know where he kisses foot, King? But you know Brett washed his foot. Where? Stinky, though. Huh? How about the, uh, the tights here? I don't think a lot of people realize that it would loop around the bottom of your foot. Here Absolutely. comes Haku, here comes Akushi and who's the other guy? Shinja. Maybe I tell you, JJ. He Akushi come off. Oh, diving into the king. That's the wrong. Brett hit me. 
this was a nice way to get old Hakushi and getting ready to go with Bret Hart after this match. But no, that's that's the way that the the long the long tights always worked, man. That's old school. That's so they would keep on. They would stay on. No, I get it. I just didn't know it. Oh god. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Get that toe in there. Get it. Get it. Get it in there. Oh yeah. And just uh, you know, the huh. the Lawler taking that whole toe. Looked like he'd done that before. How would um how would Jamie Noble? Agent that. Yeah, get that toe in there, Brett. Shove it out of the zone. Now, King, just swallow that some bitch. Take the whole thing in there. Go back for more. And then this was good shit here. Just uh now, here's the problem, man. That was me. And I was King. You couldn't get my foot up to my <laughs> up to my mouth here. But Lawler, after not washing his feet for all that time and all that disgusting shit, his feet look pretty clean there, don't they? Well, he knows he's not winning. So yeah. But that's not the point. Should a gimmick that made it look dirtier? Yes. The sock was gimmicked. The sock was dirty. Well, now he's just trying to get a little up chuck working on there. Just something. So I didn't have any problem up chucking in Niagara Falls. I up chucked all my sushi on Saturday night. It was wonderful. Why'd you throw up in Niagara? It was, it was bad sushi. Oh, good for you. Oh yeah. It was just fucking here's the deal. Have you not learned from me when we're traveling, making shots, no seafood. You know what? I made that declaration after that. I swore no more ever again. When I rooster tailed a year ago with you, that should have been a clue. Dude, it was the worst. Absolutely. The, I mean, you're looking at the King right now and that's exactly what I looked like that night. And I sat there for hours. Just wait, 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 wait. You know what I just realized? What? This is the way the King looks after spending time with Brett Hart. Who were you with last Saturday? Oh my God. You think it was Brett? Did Brett put his foot in your mouth? Tell the truth. What were y'all doing? No, Brett and I shared really good conversation. And, um, and as I said, it was, it was great to see him. And now we visit our friends over at the special Olympics who were big, big sponsors. We were huge sponsors of the special Olympics. They're based in Connecticut. Uh, Adam bomb diesel. And, uh, that was, you know, of all charities and I, am an asshole when it comes to charities, but special Olympics happens to be special Olympics and make a wish happen to be two of my favorite charities. That's just cool, man. You know, I wish this was on TV and not just pay-per-view so they could have gotten a bigger, uh, crowd, but either way, it's cool to see. You know, at the end of the day, we've had a lot of fun, you know, sort of talking about some of the silliness of wrestling and blah, 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 but you get, yeah. to, do, you get to do a lot of good out of this, by the way, that crown right there, I feel like was made about 10 minutes before you went on the air. Um, yeah. So it's just it so I'm clear, Shawn Michaels, the best wrestler in America. At this point, was that debatable uh-huh. by 95 that Shawn Michaels was the best in the world? I'd say Sean and Brett were the two best in the world. Yes, definitely. So Sean is eliminated in the first fucking round. Well, he went 15 through with comma still best he, match on the card. He's out. And now oh, look at that crown on Owen though. By comparison, it's much better. Yeah. Look at that shit, dude. Come on. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Ooh. Then there's the Hardys. That's not the Hardys, is it? Yeah, that's the Hardys opening up the door for the uh, King Mabel. Soon to be King Mabel. Spoiler. Prince Mo. Spoiler. Oh, shit. Where's Oscar? I don't think they knew. Uh, Oscar was gone by this point. Where, Say, where? come on, Bruce. Come, come on, Bruce. Come on, Bruce. Oscar comes and uh, does our show intros every once in a while, man. He'll just show up somewhere and cut me a wonderful rap. And uh, that's how he brings me out. Come on, Bruce. Come on, Bruce. I love that shit. Is that your he second could've... favorite rap song? Yeah. Yeah. Next to uh, Lil Yachty. And then the Sugar Hill Gang. I tr- you know, I tried so hard at your wedding to get him to do the Sugar Hill Gang. Now, what you hear is not a test. I'm a rapping to the beat. Hey, no, we played that. You weren't paying attention. Really? Yeah. Oh, Cassio listened to me. Cool. I like yeah, it. He played it. Are you sure that wasn't the night before? No, I'm sure it was okay. that night. King Mabel. Look at him. Look at that titty. Yeah, that's Jeff and uh, Matt Here, Hardy. Here's right your main now. event. The guy coming out right now is the last wrestler to be introduced on the card, Savio Vega, and he's going to step through the ropes and take on Mabel. And this is the main event of an American pay-per-view in 1995. Well, it's the finals of the tournament of the pay-per-view. Um, yeah, well, there's Rocky Balboa. That's exciting. Yo, Rocky. Larry, this is what you get. You ask for the king of the ring. This is what you get. He said, and he's, you know what he actually said to me, Conrad? He says, well, it's the worst show I could think of that you'll never do and ever win a poll. And that's what I want to hear about. Why Savio Vega? That's actually a really solid question. Why Savio Vega, dude? Razor was hurt and we were looking and, and the thing was, he asked, uh, Larry asked me a question. He says, was it true that Vince wanted Mabel to be Shawn Michaels, undertaker and Razor all in one night to make him the, the biggest heel. I said, we were looking to build a big, nasty heel. He did beat undertaker in, in, uh, the tournament, but Savio was another Savio was a guy we were grooming to be a top baby face as well. And Savio's we knew also that for the best match, he's going to get the, the best match on the card with Mabel involved in it was Savio. So what, what are the odds I could get you to cut BP in the back of your head? Like he has SV here. Um, what are like the worst odds you could get and then say never. But you know, see here, here's the other thing, man. People shit all over Mabel and Mabel can move like a son of a bitch for a big man. Uh, here's the thing. I don't think anybody's arguing that Mabel didn't have a spot on the card, but Mabel should not have been in the main event here. I wasn't in the main event. He was just in the finals of the tournament. God damn it. It was just the, it was just the king of the, it was the king of the ring coronation. If you were here, <laughs> I would fucking punch the shit out of your ribs right now because they, come on. No, it's not the main event. It's just the last match on the card. It's not the last match on the card. We're going to have a tag match after this with, with the big daddy cool and, 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 uh, bam, bam, Bigelow and Tatanka and Sid Udi. And it's called, what's the name of this? <laughs> King of the ring. <laughs> and the winner of this is going to be called what? King Mabel. 
Yeah, I like how he has a little alien. Uh, King Mabel has an alien on his boot. It's like the alien from Three Mile Island or wherever that's from in Arizona. You know what I'm talking about. Area 52. Area 69. That's a big man going over the top rope there, by God. This is crazy. <laughs> I, you know, here's what's crazy is this happened in 1995 and I tried to forget about it that night. And here I am in 2018 watching it again. That's what's bad. But it's, you know, it was a dire time, man. This was just, uh, whew. one of those ouchy moments that you look back and there's not a whole hell of a lot you can say about it. It was the cards we were dealt and, uh, trying to do the best we can. What about a CT on the back of your head? No, I'm in. Cause I'll yours th- is black. Really? Yeah. Your hair, yours would pop if you had a CT in the back. So maybe how about this, I'll do the CT in the back. If you do the Mabel Mohawk. Okay. Deal. Yeah, that ain't happening. Either. No, no. Well, listen, you do summer cuts. So just buzz it, except right down the center for one live show next year. Yeah, no, I'll do a CT and you can do that. And we'll, we'll have Oscar there. Come on. So Bruce. you're going to shave, you're going to shave your head and do a CT. I'll do it. Shave your head completely. No, I'm going to have except what, for what Savio's got. Savio's got a little hair on top. Very little. Yeah, I'll do that. I ain't scared. And you're going to do the goatee too. <laughs> well, I'm not doing it if you're not going to commit. Well, I, it's hair we're talking about here. Well, I'm talking about head hair. You're talking about facial hair. You need to calm down. Oh, well, you know, look at how slim and trim Timmy white is. Yeah. By comparison. Come on. Hey, here's the, uh, write up from your boy here. He says eight minutes, 32 seconds, horrible match. Mabel held a long bear hug and then a long chin lock fans started chanting ECW. It wasn't a surprise to hear the chant, but just how many were doing it and how loud it was. Apparently there were several other ECW chants through the show, but this is the only one that was really audible on camera. Apparently after the show in the front of the building and in the building, there were tons of ECW chants, which explained to me as more of a negative reaction to the quality of the show being presented than anything else. Because they thought it was ECW. Is that what it reminded them of? No, that it was much better. That's what, no, they're chanting. They're chanting. This reminded them of ECW. So I took it. Well, you're the dumbest fucking person I know. There were also tons of banners confiscated before the show for the ECW promotion and characters. Vince McMahon didn't know what was going on because he said, listen to the crowd thinking they were chanting for Vega. And it was a very loud chant. They quickly turned down the crowd audio when they figured out what was going on. And the guys got up and went right to the finish with Mabel kicking out of Vega spin kick. And then Mabel hit a power slam for a near fall before winning with a big splash. After the match, Ramon decked Mo and started beating on Mabel. Mo attacked Ramon from behind and Mabel gave him a body slam, elbow drop, and dropped an elbow on Ramon's bad ribs. One, two, three kid does a run in and throws a few kicks before Mo and Mabel laid him out as well. Negative one star. And you just told everybody it was going to happen. Yeah, but I just wanted to give the recap so you could hear it. Also, they, he wrote afterwards, they did a long coronation ceremony with Mabel, which saw fans helped him with garbage. Then they God aired, damn the heat. Then they aired a video of Lawler, which I won't ruin, but he did take you guys the task for the special Olympics video. He says 
Video is also excellent. Although there's something really pathetic about using the special Olympics to get the company over. How about fuck you, Dave Meltzer, you piece of shit. Fuck him. Here's that chin lock. Yeah, get it in Look there. at that fucking buried in there. Look at the goddamn, look at the size of those arms. Yeah, get it in there, that chin lock. Get it in there. <laughs> you could drive a fucking Mack truck through that son of a bitch. Yeah, that's kind of brutal. This this was the King of the Ring final right here, 1995. <laughs> this was to get to SummerSlam with Big Daddy Cool and the King of the Ring, King Mabel. That's some good shit right there, man. See, look at the crowd. They're chanting. They're fucking clapping for Savio to let's go, Savio. Savio, the razor getting them going, man. What do you think he's thinking right now? I don't know. It's like, come on. I got to get these fucking ants on the mat. I'm going to get them. I'm going to get every one of them. He's got that long ass fucking ponytail. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hot. You know what? I love Larry. Um, and Larry's been to a lot of our live shows and he follows us all over the place and travels. I'm really pissed at him right now for choosing this. Yeah. But you know what? It is funny. It is. It is. It's, it's a dark, dark moment in our time. I actually did the merchandise on cameras, uh, during this show, I wore the King of the ring shirt and I had the little, uh, headset like DDP wears and shit. And did all the throws for the merchandise. And no, it's not on the network, folks. I've looked. They edited me out. Yeah, I would too. It was a slimmer me. No, I did good. I loved it. It's great. I went and rented a tuxedo, and I, I was putting the tuxedo on that night. And Vince walks up to me and goes, What the fuck is that? I said, Well, it's pay per view. We're supposed to wear a tuxedo. He says, God damn, how are you going to sell merchandise in a tuxedo? Wear the merchandise. I said, you really think that's going to sell the merchandise, Vince? Me wearing it? But I did. I wore me a nice little King of the Ring hat, nice little King of the Ring shirt. And there you go, folks. King Mabel. That's your king. Bow to the king. Can't believe this is real. It's real, man. It's, it's fucking living it right there. That's royalty. In your presence. You are in the presence of royalty right now. And I never really understood Savio's ring gear either. Well, now Big Razor coming back on uh, with those slaps to the face that are on Big King Mabel. Razor could throw a damn punch. I like Razor's punches. Oh, man. Oh, shit. Please don't splash me, though. Yeah, folks, there's your king of the ring. Big King Mabel. Squash him with those chocolate titties. It's a chocolate squash. My God. What? (sighs) So up until this point, the prior two kings of the rings were Bret Hart and Owen Hart. As far as when it was its own standalone pay-per-view. Next up. 
we go from Mabel to Stone Cold Steve Austin. And then yep. Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And then Ken Shamrock, then Billy Gunn, then Kurt Angle, then Edge, then Brock Lesnar, then Booker T. Yeah. Yeah. But did you did you like when Mabel got up on the second rope and realized when he got up there, what the fuck am I gonna do? Shaw Waltman coming in with some damn kicks and shit. He's going to throw that shit. He's like, all right, I know I'm going to get mine in a minute, so I'm going to throw every fucking thing I can in here first. And then whoosh. Well, he got him some licks in. A one, two, three, kid. How old is Sean Waltman here? He's got to be late 20s. Uh, there, no, no, mid 20s. I was, was going to say, there's no chance he's late yeah. 20s. Yeah, mid 20s. Mid twenties, because I met him in 1992 and he had to be 19, 20 years old. We're going to watch this all the way through the coronation. Yes. Have to. We're giving the people what they want here. They want more Mabel. King Mabel. Damn it. Yeah. Look at all the people leaving. Well, at least he got rid of Todd Pettengill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we'll bring this. You know what's funny? That's a fucking call. giant uh, seat for everybody else. Just normal for Mabel. Yeah, no shit. It fit him. It fit him. You know, and of course you got Prince Mo there, Bobby Horn, and Bobby was underrated. He was a good talent too. I mean, he could he could go. Just they. How, how about if you owned that robe, you would check the mail in it. Oh, fuck. Yeah. You know why? Cause I'm so happy. I'm so gay. I can come every day and look at the shoulder pad coming out. God damn. <laughs> look at this fucking, oh, it's a sword. Well, yeah, it's a scepter. It's not a sword. It's a scepter. No, there were scepters. That's a goddamn sword. Isn't it the same thing? No. A scepter is a stick. That's a fucking blade. I just love that the shoulder pad's sticking out. That could be, and I think this could be the worst robe ever too. About the scroll. Everything about this is, this is so cartoonish and fucking dumb. Well, back in the old days, we used to have coronations on uh, superstars of wrestling. Let me where just... We would have Lord Littlebrook do the, uh, do the scroll. I, I can't help myself. ECW, ECW, ECW. See, this reminds you of ECW is so bad. Just that's what it makes you think of. Yeah. And the best part is he's actually reading that scroll. That is actually the words written on that there scroll. And instead of, and instead, <laughs> instead of shooting the king and putting the crown on his head, we're shooting everything else, but I love that one kid's writing them out saying it wasn't me. It was this guy. Look, he's pointing. Oh, yeah. It was this guy. It was this guy. Oh yeah. They all are. I didn't do it. I got one of these shirts that Bruce Pritchard told me to buy. You know, it was a you long know, time ago. There's a Cowboys t-shirt in the crowd in Philadelphia. Oh, <laughs> look, now they're coming over to see, Hey, who threw that? Well, that's a great, the wonderful, great security there in Philly. Oh, nailed it. Oh, nice one. 
Uh-uh, on the mark, and King Mabel with a cup to the head. Uh, More. Yeah. I mean, let's run through this. This town boo Santa Claus. You think they're going to cheer King Mabel? <laughs> oh, Lord. And then we would follow up with, you know, the, the great pay-per-views that we had in, in Philadelphia with Shawn Michaels and Mankind. Yeah, that's like a year and change later. I mean, look at what a stark contrast it was from 95 to 96. We we wanted to give them something to look forward to. I mean, the trash is is still coming in. Look, the cameramen are like, fuck this. I'm bailing. You know, Mabel's probably thinking here, well, at least these checks clear. Exactly. Exactly. And he's thinking they're going to get bigger too. He's wrong. Problem is there's people are saying, but it's King Mabel. Look at, look at all the trash. You know what? You guys were innovators. This is a year before people started throwing trash at the NWO. No, this was real heat, man. This was just real by God wrestling. heat. No, this is Roman Reigns. Serious heat. And he's still reading the fucking scroll. You know what? Who wrote that? There. Who who wrote that shit on the scroll? Probably Howard Finkel. He came up with the verbiage. He probably, you know what? He probably did. And then gave it to Vince and Vince probably tweaked it. But I would, I would bet you anything that, uh, this time 95, I bet you Vince said, Howard, come up with a proclamation. And the Fink probably did it. Well, I'm happy Fink to came up with the rest of them. I'm happy to proclaim that the crown is on. Look at this fucking crown made out of goddamn gold construction paper. But look at the, I know, look at the the WWF logo. It's so shitty. It looks like it's just pasted on there. Everything about this is shitty. That that is the worst crown ever. I swear it looks like a fucking fourth grade project. No, fourth grade would have been better. How great would it be though? If Mabel was like, fuck you motherfuckers throwing trash and just went in the crowd with the sword chic style. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Baby faces are hot by God. Do you want to tell a fun Philadelphia story? What fun Philadelphia story you want me to tell Conrad? What about the time when, uh, well, I you have a, one on the tip of your tongue. You tell it. I don't know what you, Ooh, God. That's well, funny. I heard a story once about how one guy had his, no, favorite. you can't tell that. <laughs> no, 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 no. All right. Maybe next time. Thank you guys for joining us for this very special bonus episode. You're brutal. What? I thought it was funny. That's brutal. It's the fucking funniest story in the history of wrestling. And I'm going to get you to do it one day at a live show. One day. One day. But you know what? When I look at my clock, I feel like it's about that time. Hit him. It is about that time. You know what time it is? What? Shaka Khan. You know, Bruce, we always talk about plans change, pal. Especially in the wrestling business. But it happens in real life, too. I mean, just look around. If I didn't know any better, I'd think Bruce Book 2020. It sucks. But while we're waiting to see if 2020 is ever going to turn babyface, I want to tell you something that can make life a little less painful in the meantime. Of course, I'm talking about the incredible pain relief topicals from CBDMD.com. 
And if you want to feel fast relief and make your big comeback against the monster heels we've been facing these days, you're going to want to check this stuff out. You see, CBDMD's Freeze Pain Relief Gel combines the proven pain relief properties of menthol with the incredible power of CBD. CBDMD's Recover Pain Relief Cream takes all the things you know and love about CBD and combines it with a wide range of useful compounds, including an FDA-approved pain reliever. And this is one that I truly believe in. I use it, my wife uses it, my mom and dad use it, and I know some of you are on the fence or maybe you've just learned about CBD and I get it. It's new and it's different, but I can't recommend this stuff enough. And I really suggest you start with CBDMD. And here's why they make everything right here in the USA. And by the way, it's with hemp grown also here in the USA. Their products are always tested at independent laboratories for safety and effectiveness. Those tests also confirm there's no detectable THC in any of their products. And you can look up those tests for each product batch on their website and see it for yourself. CBDMD offers a 60-day no-hassle guarantee on everything. And if you have a question, their customer service team is based in North Kakalaki, and you're not going to get shifted to some call center overseas or something like that. CBDMD wants to make CBD affordable, accessible for everyone. And all you have to do is go to CBDMD.com and use our promo code DUTE. That's DUTE. You know what I'm talking about, like DUTE, DUTE, DUTE. Get 25% off your entire order when you go use that promo code D-O-O-T, DUTE. And there's no minimum, there's no limits on how much you can order with that code. You can try a bunch of different stuff with your family or just pick your favorite. So one more time, get 20% off your entire order of superior CBD products from CBDMD.com by using the promo code DUTE at checkout. You'll be glad you did. There's never been a better time to save money than right now at SaveWithConrad.com. Just ask Derry in Tennessee. She left us a five-star review, said our service was fantastic, and says she got an even lower rate than what she was originally quoted. I already have my son sent your way, and I will send more when I know someone looking to refinance. If you're looking to save money, look no further than SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And oh yeah, we're licensed in more than 40 states. And you get to skip your next two house payments. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. So what are you waiting for? Go to SaveWithConrad.com right now. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson and you're listening to Something to Wrestle With. Man, we're going to do something totally different for you today. We're not going that far back. We're going to August 21st, 2016. Fire up your WWE network for SummerSlam 2016. And our very special bonus content here is going to be watching AJ Styles versus John Cena from SummerSlam 2016. And Bruce, as I was firing this up, you said, I've never seen this match. I have never seen this match. I'm looking forward to it because it's two of my favorite guys in uh, the wrestling business, if you will. Well, this is going to be great, man. Fire up SummerSlam. Uh, on your WWE network, go to one hour, seven minutes and 21 seconds. And, uh, as we're waiting for that to fire up, I just wanted to take another minute to uh, tell everybody how much we appreciate you and all your support that you've shown us this year. Uh, we are super excited about 2019. Uh, we've got lots of fun stuff coming your way. We've been talking about some fun content here on the show. So lots of interesting things coming your way. And of course you guys will get it first. We appreciate your support. Uh, a lot of you have been with us since day one, and that means a lot. And hopefully, uh, you're digging what we're doing and we'll try to give you more of it in 2019, uh, including a lot more live shows. 
Uh, so by now, hopefully you've got it fired up. It's one hour, seven minutes, 21 seconds. Bruce, if you'll count us down and press play, we'll watch AJ Styles and John Cena from 2016. Hey man, you want to get over with the wife? Give her some of that magic spoon. No, I'm not talking about something else. I'm talking about actual cereal. All right. Here's the deal. Cereal is something that's probably not a big deal in your house unless you have little kids because little kids like me, man, we all loved it. And then you grow up and you realize, uh, I can't keep eating this. Well, now you can thanks to magic spoon. And I'm telling you, I'm over like Rover in my household because my wife loves the blueberry. My mom is digging the frosted. I'm still rocking that fruity or the cocoa. There's four amazing flavors here that you can enjoy with zero sugar. You heard me, zero sugar. How's that even possible? 12 grams of protein. That's right, cereal with protein. You're gonna get a great start to your day with that. And there's only three net grams of carbs in each serving. It tastes amazing. It really is too good to be true. But if you're on a special diet, check this out. It's keto friendly. It's gluten free. It's grain free. It's soy free. It's low carb and GMO free. I can't recommend this enough. It's been a game changer for breakfast in my house and it will be for your house too. It tastes great. It's easy and you get to enjoy it guilt-free and you actually feel better. Or at least I do when you have breakfast in the morning, I think everybody knows it's the most important meal of the day, blah, blah, blah. Well, dude, how about 12 grams of protein in your cereal? Go to magicspoon.com slash wrestle and grab your variety pack and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code wrestle at checkout and get yourself some free shipping. And by the way, Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed by a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash wrestle and use the code wrestle for free shipping. And we thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the podcast and, well, helping us get over at home a little bit. All right, guys, here we go. In five, four, three, two, one play. I was, uh, I was at this show. I saw this one. Now, where is this taking place? Conrad? This is at Barclays. At Barclays center. I, you know, the, the first time I went to Barclays centers when we headlined a basketball game there. Yeah. That's a random sentence right there. Is it not <laughs> what, what crazy, a, but true. What a weird year we had. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. These guys are going to go 23 minutes once the bell rings. And, uh, this was a bit of a dream match for a long time. John Cena was of course the franchise of the WWE. And of course, TNA was the franchise or TNA's franchise was AJ styles. And now they're going to be head to head. Of course, AJ here debuted at the Royal rumble in 2016. And a lot of people didn't see it coming. He was on the heels of a spectacular performance at wrestle kingdom. And then what do you know? Bam, right figured in at the tippy top of the card at the Royal rumble. And he was wearing it out here. And of course he's going to go on to be the face that runs the place or the champ that runs the camp or whatever you want to call him. And a lot of people think that, you know, the, uh, I don't know the flag bearer for the WWE, the, the guy you've got to get through in order to be there, the gatekeeper, if you will, if you want to be a top guy, you've got to have a feud or a series of matches with John Cena. Well, you know what I love about AJ Styles the most is I think that when AJ debuted in WWE, it was after everybody said that, hey, if you worked at 
WWE wants nothing to do with you. If you've ever worked for TNA and you're coming from there and it was at a time that that word was out and it was discouraging to the guys that were working at TNA because they're thinking, well, shit, I'm just trying to make a living. And AJ Styles to me is the guy that, that really broke the mold and that stepped up for those independent guys that are out there that I think in some ways had given up to go to WWE. And he said, you know what? You can make it and you can do it. And he's the perfect proof that you can do it. And John Cena is the proof that by God, uh, you never give up, bust your ass and work harder than anybody else. And you'll rise to the top. Well, and this is the tippy top right here. John Cena is the man in WWE and AJ Styles is about to square off with him. The third man in the ring is our great friend of the show here, Mr. Charles Robinson. This, Charlie Robinson. This uh, red, white, and blue design in the shirt that AJ's wearing actually came under, or sorry, Cena, came under a little criticism from a lot of people said that uh, it was ripping off the Paps Blue Ribbon look, and they actually had to make an adjustment to the shirts not too long after they released the first version. Well, you know, I think everything's a rip off of everything. Yeah. It looks like a Paps blue ribbon, uh, logo, but shit works for me. I'm looking forward to getting your feedback here. Cause I know you're high on both of these guys, not just professionally, but personally as well. Absolutely. And it's, it's one of those moments I'm sitting here to hear Conrad. I can't even, I don't have the audio up first time I'm seeing this and no shit. I got goosebumps. This is one of this is one of those matches that you kind of think about, and no matter if you love the business and you love wrestling and you don't get excited about shit like this, then you don't love it. This this is two of the best and and kind of colliding together, and it's a hell of a moment. And I'm I'm happy, I'm most happy for AJ here for them having the confidence to put him in this spot. That's great, man. It's cool to see AJ finally getting his due because he's one of those guys. I mean, I first saw AJ wrestle in 2004. It's the first time I became introduced to him and was just thought he had unreal talent. I mean, I, I take that back. I guess I saw him in 02, uh, because he debuted with TNA, uh, here in Huntsville, believe it or not. But the first time I really thought, man, this guy, he might be one of the best in the world was 04. Uh, he was having great matches in the TNA X division. He was, you know, the first X division champion, I believe, uh, that happened here in Huntsville. And I was watching the, the weekly pay-per-views with some regularity, uh, in Oh two and three and four, but in a four is really the first time I saw him live enough to have an appreciation for man. If this dude was a little bigger, he'd be the top guy in WWE. And in that era. That was certainly the rap on him. When you first heard about Alan Jones, didn't you automatically believe just based on his stature, Vince would be less than enthused to have him as a top guy. Exactly. You know, it was, you kind of look at him, Oh, it might be a good cruiserweight. Now they look at him and say, the guy's got charisma. He's got, you know, he's got style and he can go. And there's a whole different criteria and an, just relates to their talent. But the thing about AJ is what WWE has been able to do is they have gotten Allen 
the real the guy behind that the 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 facade the gimmick if you will this is no gimmick here this is who he is i think up until he got to new japan he was playing wrestler he was playing a part he was playing who he thought aj styles should be and when he got to new japan and, and his his work took over because there's a communication gap there i think that when vince told him i want a bulldog he goes i can do that um, he got to be him. And that it, to me is, is the beauty of what has happened in the, the metamorphosis of AJ styles. Did you see the, uh, the way SmackDown ended this week? I saw, uh, part of it. Yes. Where he hit, Where he, he hit, hit bench. Yeah. yeah. That whole, uh, I need a bulldog. I mean, you've told us that story before, but they did it on TV. Well, they, uh, here's what I'll have to say. This is what I got to say about that is I thought at the end he was overacting it, but you watch that reaction of him initially when Vince says, who are you? That's, that's Alice. That's, that's Alan, man. That's, <laughs> um, he will get in your face and believes in himself. And when he walks into a room, he's the biggest guy in the room in his head. And that's what you need. probably the biggest guy in the business at this time he's in the ring with in John Cena who again and he believes that he is the best in the room as well and rightfully so John Cena of course pretty topical right now they announced that he's coming back to Smackdown he's going to make a series of limited shows here including believe it or not a rare show in Huntsville getting a little John Cena action who would have thought we would have had John Cena on a house show so he's making all the big towns, man, suplex on the apron. Did you ever think you'd see John Cena take that? Or yes. I mean, again, you, you go back to the Cena training. The guy was an animal. He wanted to do anything and everything as he progressed in his career. He was, he was protected from that shit. He wanted to do it all. Vince didn't want him to do it. Everybody else they wanted to protect John Cena wouldn't do that. Um, I think John left to his own devices and once he became the guy and got a voice, you saw a lot more of him and to, to the naysayers that say, oh, Cena sucks. Son of a bitch's work is solid. It's just different, but he can go. Holy shit. What a backdrop. What do you think about the knock on Cena that he's the five moves of doom? Well, I mean, I think already he's proven that that's, that's not the case. You know, it's how many moves did Hogan have? How many moves did warrior have? I think he's got his signature moves and every top guy does, but I think he's also proven in the latter years that he was working full time, that he's got a lot more than that. What about the knock? We see Cena calling spots here. What about the knock that Cena calls spots and does it too loud? That, that, that he doesn't really appreciate the art of, uh, being discreet with it. And he, I mean, he's loud enough where you can, you can hear him a few rows back sometimes. Well, okay. There, there's little different schools of thought here. First of all, the improvement on the audio from the ring mics and everything else that's turned up so that you hear more of the match. Here's the difference. Cena likes to call a lot of the stuff in the ring. He's not one of those guys that can go out and memorize an entire match. 
and just go out and do it. He likes to get out and feel it and call it. So to that, I give him credit. Could he be more discreet and quiet? Yes. But if you were to have the microphones as sensitive as they are back in the day with the old timers, the old timers called them louder than that. The only difference is, is we never picked it up. Nobody was smart. They didn't know what the hell they were doing anyway. And you thought if somebody called hip toss, this, if you heard it in the first row, you just thought he was telling the guy what he's going to do, not putting it all together. So I, again, I, that's people being too smart for their own good. Well, he's also loud as fuck. So, well, it's picked up again. You wouldn't hear that if you were there live in the arena. I have heard and, that live in the arena. I don't think you have. Not only have I done it, uh, pop pop. When I mentioned it to him, he said, Oh, Jesus Christ. They had me do a special referee for him and Kane once. And he was calling it so damn loud. I'm looking around like, who are, who are you telling? <laughs> <laughs> the kid, the, fifth, like, the kid in the fifth row doesn't need to fucking know John. We got you. <laughs> yeah. He could be more discreet. He could be, it's kind of like Gawkum Albrecht and, and Jeff Jarrett tell him, so now, big man, just listen to him. What? What am I? Li- what are they saying? What? <sighs> man, I love that move right there, where he he flips out of the attitude adjustment and does the bicycle kick, teases the Styles Clash, but and what what he calls that the Pele or something? Oh, he hits that damn Styles Clash. Yeah, the Pele kick probably like the soccer player. Not yeah. that you would know who that is. I do know who that is. Okay. He's a soccer player. All right. I got Pele. you. I got you. I got you. All right. I hate that styles clash. Why? I told, uh, man, my neck doesn't bend back that way. So you'd call that and I'd say, fuck you. We're going to do a different finish tonight. But Kurt angle was a big proponent of the, of that that move with AJ Styles. It was like, God damn it. Just learn how to fucking take it. And Kurt would sit there and cuss everybody that would screw up the, the styles clash whenever they do it. Well, these guys are having one hell of a match. I got to tell you thus far. No, they really are. I'm not arguing that at all. I mean, it was, it, it's a dream match of sorts. You know, I know that everybody says everything's a dream match now, but I mean, two of the biggest stars for a decade here. And they're finally wrestling. And for a long time, it felt like, man, it ain't never going to happen for AJ. He ain't never going to be here at, at 12 months prior to this happening. Did anybody ever, I mean, it, it wasn't even a dream match because you figured it, it was an impossibility. Yeah. Oh boy. The F you from the dreaded second rope. I guess I should mention this show overall got 46.8% thumbs up unanimous and it's not close. Best match poll from the readers. Um, Finn Balor and Seth Rollins got eight votes and AJ and John Cena got 249 votes. So pretty clear. Everybody had their mind made up. This was the very best match on the show. Uh, they got four and a half stars in the observable. Well, the son of a bitch, uh, this has been one hell of a match. And the beauty of it is it's not a spot fest. They're taking their time. They're selling. They're telling a good story. And a lot of times you don't even realize what makes a great match. 
this right here, the pacing of it, everything that they're doing, taking their time and registering makes a great match. And that's the difference. And that little son of a bitch is one athletic bastard. And Cena is one cock strong son of a bitch. The uh, main event of this show, by the way, is the one where Brock Lesnar opened up Randy Orton for real with, uh, elbows and, uh, pretty controversial. Well, speaking of cock strong. Yeah. <laughs> Brock Lesnar is, is just scary strong, but Cena is, is one of those guys. I'll never forget him punching me in the chest one time and putting me against a wall and, it's just I said, what the hell was that for? He said, just to let you know I can. It's like, son of a bitch, that hurt. And just the way they keep going after their finishes here is is excellent. Going into false finish after false finish. And uh well, if that doesn't work, we're gonna go into the old STFU. Oh shit. You want to know what's sad, Conrad? What's sad, Bruce? I can't. I can't even tell you what the what the real name is of the STFU is. Uh, Do you know it? It's just called an STF. No. Oh, okay. Shit. That's why it's called an what? STFU. Okay, but what did didn't Eric Watts call it something else? I don't know. Masahiro Chono calls it an STF. Okay. Yeah, that's the one they stole it from. Okay. Chonosan. Man, they're going a mile a minute in here. That's for damn sure. And I think they called it an STF. I think you're right. No, it wasn't STF. You're uh, right. Even for Eric Watts. Yes. Which is so, you know, why it's so easy to just put the FU at the end. Yeah. I wonder what the, <laughs> the original name of the STFU was. Hey, what they call it before they called it that? Hey. That move Charlotte puts on that finishing maneuver, <laughs> call it figure eight. Didn't her daddy do one similar? What'd they call that? I, know. I mean, it was, it was about half as good as hers. He couldn't bridge nothing. Nothing. Oh, fucker. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, and it's not even late at night. Well, it is past your bedtime. It's eight 36. It is past my bedtime. You are correct about that. I think a lot of people think that I'm kidding around with that, but I mean, you really do go to sleep when it's still daylight outside. Oh God, if I could, I would. And you wake up when it's daylight again, which is yes, like 12 hours of sleep. If I could, yes. I've never met somebody who's so tired from doing so little in my life. What's all the sleep I get. It tires me out. I mean, your quality of life right now, is this just not the peak I'm, quality of life for you? It's just the quality of my entire life right now. Just in general. Yeah. And a lot of that is because of you guys here on Patreon, you, you allow Bruce to sleep 12 hours a day, every day, whether he needs it or not. <laughs> oh God, I wish. Oh my gosh. How about the, the German here rolling right into, Oh, how fun shit. is that? Face buster by AJ styles. Hey man, how are you listening to this podcast right now? Well, if you're like me, I like to listen to podcasts with earbuds and the earbuds I've been rocking lately are the new ones from Raycon, the everyday E25 earbuds. I think it's the best ones yet. It's got six hours of playtime, 
seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise isolating fit. What I enjoy best about Raycon's wireless earbuds is not only are they comfortable, I sometimes even forget I have them in. This is perfect when I've got a day full of conference calls or I'm just wanting to binge a bunch of podcasts. But unlike some of those other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet. I'm not going to like a freaking goof with those white dangly stems out of my ears. But really, if you know me and you know anything about me besides my love of wrestling, you know I love to save money. And you already know that Raycon earbuds started about half the price of those other premium wireless earbuds on the market. But yeah, they sound just as amazing and I think even better because of the bass. But you don't have to take my word for it. Ask Snoop Dogg or Ray J or Cardi B or Brandy or J.R. Smith or Melissa Etheridge. Celebrities are lining up to endorse Raycon because they're legit and they're truly affordable. And they're even more affordable because you listen to this show. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon and 15% off your order when you go to buyraycon.com slash wrestle. That's buyraycon.com slash wrestle and you'll get 15% off your Raycon wireless earbuds. That's B-U-Y by Raycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N, buyraycon.com slash wrestle. Uh, you know, wrestling's come a long way, but one of the things I've never really gotten your opinion on I know you're more of a traditionalist guys wrestling tennis shoes. I think a lot of people think that AJ is probably wearing wrestling boots here. He's wearing shoes and John Cena, of course, everybody knows is wearing sneakers. Where are you at on that? Hate it. I thought you'd say that. I hate it. AJ. I think, I think AJ is, is wearing, cause he's got flat. Doesn't he have flat uh, soles? I think AJ's wearing boots, but Cena's definitely obviously wearing shoes. But a lot of the guys do. A lot of the guys will will wear the Otomics, which is a, a much flatter heel. I mean, a much flatter surface. Um, but I don't know how they do it with the mat because you get stuck running the ropes and just moving around in general. But I think that some of the guys like that. C- I just came. Cena's wearing shoes. I mean, I understand what you're saying about soles, but he's wearing shoes. You can tell. Oh no. Cena's just wearing damn high tops. Yeah. Or whatever the hell he's wearing. I don't think these are high tops. Talk to me about, uh, kick pads. We haven't really talked about that. Well, they look cool and it, I'd much rather get kicked with a kick pad than no pad there, but it, you know, it was just used really to kind of cover up. A lot of the guys early on, but it makes it safer for the guy taking a lot of those kicks and it's a cool look. It's just another way to, to change your outfit up some. Oh God. I love that. And they, I mean, they're having a damn wrestling match. This is a scene is doing the thing that everybody says he can't do. The, uh, move here that he's using used to be called the calf killer, but you can't say killer. On WWE, so now it's the calf crusher. Well, back in my day, we called it a, oh, what a maneuver. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, my, the pressure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember trying to feed names to Vince. And it's oh, what a maneuver. Well, seen him right back to the STF. That shit hurts right there, by the way. Just having your leg kind of just curled up behind you and have all that weight laying on you, it's just uh, not comfortable. 
I love that they're just tying in knots and rolling for pins. It adds an air of believability and bam, Enziguri to the back of the head. You know the guy that made that that move famous? Owen Hart? No. No, for my First, money, it's Owen Hart. When he gave an Enziguri to um, Shawn Michaels and Shawn collapsed on Raw, that was his move from then on for me. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Adams and Tom Pritchard actually were the first ones to bring it to this country. Oh, so what Japanese person did they steal it from? Uh, Chris Adams was the first one to do it because he was a karate man. Actually, he was a judo man, but back then people really didn't know the difference between judo and karate. I don't think that you do. Oh yeah, I do. I'm a goddamn three-time black belt hall of fame in karate. I studied judo. Then I just went ahead and perfected my skills in the art of karate. Some people say karate. That's where AJ learned that Pele kick. <laughs> Should have been the uh, Funakoshi kick. He was founder of modern day karate. Cena going up to the top. Yeah, we're uh, we're getting close to the finish here. I think. Are we really? Oh shit! See, oh. And, and okay, here's the beautiful match. How many minutes are we into this? Do you think? I don't know. And well, that's, that's my point. We, we have really gotten lost. And for those of you watching along, I hope you're getting lost as well in the action. Cause this is actually one hell of a match in that just fuck me. I would, I wouldn't take I'll, that. I, I always say that had the business been back when I was a kid, what it is now, um, I, I just don't know if I ever could have gotten into it and, or, Back then, you know, you had to be a semblance of an athlete and you could kind of fake your way through it, so to speak, the rest of the shit. But the athleticism that these guys display today is unfucking canny. Going up to the top, looking like he's going to do the attitude adjustment off the second rope. A couple elbows from AJ. Nope. Sets him down. What are we setting up here? AJ's going to fly up there to the top and top rope, hurricane Rana big pop from the crowd and AJ setting himself up on the outside of the apron. Everybody thinks he's about to set up that big elbow. Here we go. Yes. Yes. Oh my, what a maneuver. Oh shit. I thought that was it. Oh, and I, you know what? I don't know the finish. I have no idea what the finish of this match is. No, folks. I really and truly am watching this for the first time. And good God, what? Bam, right on the kisser. One, two. Oh, no. Even Mauro Ronaldo in the background getting fired up about it. I think Mauro would get fired up at uh, <laughs> pretty much just about anything. Is that Layfield in the corner over there doing commentary? Yeah, he used to have a job with WWE. Oh, hell. Everybody did it one time or another. He's out there with Otunga. He's got his fucking work cut out for him. Oh, yeah. Well. Ah, damn. What a clothesline, man. Speaking. 
about Charles Robinson slid over like, let me check on him. Holy shit. That was stiff. Are you still alive? Let me see your jaw. Now watch this. Baboon. I know. Immediately Charles was like, oh shit. Squeeze my hand. Are you alive? Good God. Trying for it again. Fireman's carry. Looks like he's setting up the attitude adjustment back to the second rope. Climbed it with him on his shoulders. More elbows to the jaw. And those are the stiff elbows. Good God. But he hit it. This is it. Oh, shit. What the hell? Look at the crowd going banana. Good. Even the John Cena fans are clapping and going, oh, and of course they're all doing Daniel Bryan. (laughs) Yes, 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 shit. But at this point, I think they're probably cheering for the match itself. Look at this shit. Yeah, they're not cheering for Daniel Bryan. They're cheering because they love what they're seeing and what a maneuver. And he kicked out. I think everybody thought that would be the end. And you see the look on Cena's face that tells the story. What's it going to take to beat this fucking guy? And he's probably thinking, fuck, I wish that would have been the finish. Because AJ's elbows are El Cemento. And again, they're not just going right into the next spot. They're selling. They're bringing the audience in. Taking his time. What's it going to take to beat this son of a bitch? And AJ just won't quit. It is pretty cool that Cena is just watching him climb up and he even just falls and sits on the bottom turnbuckle in amazement as somehow styles keeps pulling himself back up the ultimate sign of respect from John Cena, but will he be able to finish him? I hate that. You know, the finish to this one more F you. Get your head in position. Nope. This has to be it. Styles clash. Can you make the pin? Cena's trying to roll away. AJ makes his way outside of the ring. Takes the elbow oh, pad elbows, off. Oh, elbow pad off. Oh, shit. That was snug too. One, two, three. Yes. Phenomenal forearm. Fucking hell of a match. Match of the night and it ain't even close. And by the way, a lot of people thought that there was some controversy because AJ beat John Cena in controversial fashion the first time. And how about you talk about snug AJ bleeding from the mouth here. No controversy here. Clean in the middle. Damn. That was a hell of a match and it takes two to tango folks. And that right there is two of the best in the business. What's what's interesting to me too, is Cena had a reputation for a long time as being a guy who would be selfish, not put anybody over and blah, blah, blah. Uh, here in 2016, AJ had two wins over John Cena. Good God. Look at this shit off the second row into the middle of the ring, man, that takes strength kick out beautiful story and AJ hit him with everything he had. Good God. Really, really fun stuff. Nice reversal. Hook those arms. 
Yeah, that's. Now watch this, man. If they've got a nice shot of Cena's face, watch how AJ connects on this. Bam. One, two, and three. Well, I got to tell you, Eric, uh, thank you for recommending that because I'm just happy I finally watched this match and got to see that son of a bitch. It makes me, I think I'm going to have to call AJ Styles and wish him a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and tell him I watched it and say, dude, that was insane. An outstanding match helped put AJ on the map, Cena doing the honors here in a phenomenal match. Pardon the pun, huge rating four and three quarter stars about as good as this going to get, man. I loved it. Hopefully you did too. And hopefully you're digging the content that we're bringing you both the old school and the new school switch it up a little bit this month on you had one watch along and one just telling stories about old crazy plane rides and uh we're looking for more ideas whatever you guys would like to hear man hit us up in the comments or these dms and we'll get you more of what you're looking for but bruce i appreciate you coming on and doing this and certainly appreciate our man eric uh suggesting it well i loved it and again you stated it at the very beginning but for me it is extremely a humbling experience to have the support of everybody here on Patreon and just in general. Um, I really and truly do love you guys and it's, and it's nice. I, I thank you so much for the support and this has been a lot of fun and that match was incredible. We'll do it again, man. Appreciate all the support. We'll see you next time right here. Something to wrestle. All right, listen up. If you're behind on the times, you might not know about e-bikes and how they're sweeping the nation. And I got to admit, I didn't know a ton about e-bikes, but I've learned it's a cross between a traditional bike and a moped. But unlike a moped, you don't need like a special driver's license. But when I started to get down the rabbit hole on e-bikes, I learned, hey, this is for more than what I imagine it is. You can use these for your commute. You can get around town. You can get out in nature. You can even haul your kids around. You can go grocery shopping. Whatever you're looking to do, it's possible with a rad power bike. Rad Power Bikes have changed the game, but don't take my word for it. Check out all the great press they've been getting. They were voted Best Affordable Electric Bike in five categories by Electric Bike Review, and they're now officially the largest electric bike brand in North America. Now, what's cause in all this? Well, it's simple. It's truly affordable. You see, their bikes start at $1,200, and all of them are under $1,500. Now, by comparison, other e-bikes in this category, they're going to be like in the $3,000 range. And we should mention that these are good for every purpose. See, some of these other vendors, they're trying to sell you bikes that are very specialized. These red power bikes, they can do it all. Take a look for yourself. You'll see what I'm talking about. And you'll also see how much more affordable it is because you listen to this show. To show the appreciation for those that service, Rad Power Bikes is offering a $100 discount off all their e-bike purchases for active or ex-military, first responders, teachers, even students. And this is an incredible gift for someone in your life who loves being active and outdoors. The Bischoffs are rocking it. They're loving it. I can't recommend this enough. And by the way, if you've got questions, they've got an incredible customer support team that's there seven days a week to answer any questions you might have. But now's the time to get one of these because Rad Power Bikes is offering flexible financing for as low as 0% APR. And right now is a limited time offer. You get a free accessory with the purchase of a bike. That's right. Get a free gift up to $100 in value and free shipping to the lower 48. 
To get this special offer, just text the word Bruce to 64,000. That's Bruce to 64,000. Text Bruce to 64,000 and rock your rad power bike today. Savewithconrad.com makes saving money fast and easy. Just ask Grady from High Point, North Kakalaki. He said this was a totally different experience than when he used his local credit union. And this time he got a lower rate, got a lower monthly payment, but he also paid his house off faster. He says he's going to save more than $50,000 worth of unnecessary interest. But how much can you save? Find out right now for free at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And oh yeah, we're licensed in more than 40 states and you get to skip your next two house payments. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. So what are you waiting for? Go to savewithconrad.com right now. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson and you're listening to something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? Well, you know what? It's bonus time and... This, this will be one Conrad that we get asked about an awful lot. And I'm, I'm talking about my friend, Ian Stevens, who asked, he says, Bruce, I know you weren't on the plane ride from hell, but I know that there were an awful lot of crazy international plane rides and some interesting things on the road that have happened from time to time. And, and would we talk about a few? So I figured, you know, well, what the hell? Why don't we just kind of open up Pandora's box a little bit and and talk about some of those plane rides and just some some interesting things that that have happened overseas or on the road when you least expect it. Well, I like it. Yeah, we haven't. Uh, you know, we get lots of questions about the plane ride from hell, but as you said, we're, we can't really talk about that one. But it does feel like. Lots of shenanigans have happened on those planes. Many, uh, halcyons crushed up, many eyebrows gone missing. A ponytail here and there, you know, just kind of, kind of different things from time to time. And, and we, but let's go ahead and start off with the plane ride from hell. No, I wasn't there, but the, the thing about the plane ride from hell was I was in a hotel and I, I think we were somewhere near LaGuardia or Newark, one of the two. I don't even remember, but the plane arrived early in the morning, like four or five o'clock in the morning. And my phone rang and it was Jerry Briscoe. And Briscoe uh, said, Hey, man, you guys in? Everybody good? Everybody safe? He says, Well, it was a hell of a ride, I'll tell you that. And Jerry shared some of the stories that he could remember, but I think that the, the funniest thing that kind of came out of the plane ride from hell was, well, doot, 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 getting his, his ponytail cut off. And of course you, you've heard about that one. Well, allegedly who cut the ponytail off? Well, a lot of people got blamed for it. Uh, allegedly our good friend, Mr. Sean Waltman. Uh, out on the left coast takes credit for it. And most people who may have, may have, or may have not witnessed it, give, give Sean full credit for the free bird haircut at 30,000 feet. Talk to me a little bit about why you think that plane ride, you know, because we've heard a lot of guys say that wasn't even the, the craziest plane ride. It was just the only reason that one made the news is because someone stooged it off. Did you hear the same story? Yeah, pretty much because there were some different ones and there were also 
pockets on the planes. And what I mean by that is most of the time when we would do these international tours, you would have one big plane and, and they would convert these planes for football teams, basketball teams, sports teams that consist of a lot of big guys. So all the seats are comparable to first-class seats in, in a regular aircraft. So it's all pretty roomy. The seats are pretty big and everything. But you also have your your cliques, your friends, and guys that kind of hang together on the plane. And, and so I mean by different pockets. So in different pockets of the plane, there are different happenings. And unless you kind of make your way through the entire plane, which which most people don't, or there's an incident that is just kind of over the top, then not everybody knew of everything that went on. The, the plane ride from hell where allegedly Kurt Hennig and Brock Lesnar got into it and fell into the emergency door. Well, everybody saw that. You know, that, that kind of woke everybody up and out of their stupor to think, holy shit, we're going to die. Because who's going to break these two big bastards up and they're getting close to everything. So that's, like you said, yeah, somebody stooged the fucking thing off. And, and people were talking about it more so than normal. Well, but, allegedly, who stooged that off? I don't know. Who? I mean, can you allow me another volley and just freestyle a guess? Well, sir, I, I, I do not know who all was on that plane, but I can only imagine. Yeah, that's the rumor and innuendo that I hear. Was tell, that us, close? tell us about some other famous airplane rides. Do you remember there being a time where maybe, possibly, perhaps the nasty boys took off one, two, three kids' eyebrows and he wound up with an action figure card with no fucking eyebrows? That might have happened. Yeah, that might have happened. I, I, I didn't work, you know, witness that. It's it's funny though, you know, when you when you talk about shit like that, the things and, and when you said the nasty boys, I immediately went to not an international trip, but an actual, just a, a normal transcontinental trip or what have you, um, in the States where there was a gentleman sitting in first class who was of a particular nuisance, kind of, you know, one of those guys, very entitled and kind of assholian in his, in his way. And like, Ugh, I'm on the plane with wrestlers. And this guy settles down in his first class, um, seat and takes his shoes off. And when he takes his shoes off, he just kind of leaves them there underneath the seat. And then he proceeds to pass out. The guy goes to sleep when he wakes up on the other side, he had one shoe that was where he had left it. That might've had an extra present in it of a turd turdish substance, kind of smelly. And the other shoe was missing, never to be found. And when the plane landed, it landed, it was in the middle of winter and the particular destination, I think they were going to either Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis or Chicago. But as the story goes, this guy had one shitty foot and the other shoe was gone. And they remember seeing him outside trying to hail a taxi with one shoe on. Hey man, you want a life hack? Well, here's one for you. We all shop online and then right at checkout, we see that little promo code field and it almost taunts us. And I get tweets about this every day, but thanks to honey, manually searching for coupon codes is now a thing of the past. 
Honey is the free browser extension that finds promo codes for you and automatically applies them to your cart. Imagine you're shopping at one of your favorite sites and when you go to check out, the Honey button drops down and all you have to do is click apply coupons. You wait a few seconds as Honey scans its database of all the working coupons for that site and then boom, watch those prices drop. I can't recommend this enough. I tried this the other day. I was ordering some shoes, said, Hey, let's go ahead. Let's do it. Apply coupons. Boom. Save some cash. I even did it on pizza last week. This works on everything. Uh, I, I think I saved like 15 bucks on shoes and I know for sure I got a free appetizer with my pizza. This is almost too good to be true. It's just right on your browser. You just click a button. Boom. It's all done. And oh yeah, it's free. I can't believe this is real. Honey has found over 17 million subscribers. I'm probably 17 million and one. You can be 17 million and two. But more importantly, they've saved us more than $2 billion in savings. And they support, I know what you're thinking. What, what sites is this on? They support more than 30,000 stores online, like Walmart and Lululemon and Newegg and DoorDash and Forever 21 and on and on and on. If you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out on free money. You hear me? It's literally free and installs in a few seconds. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this podcast. So you get to help us out and save money on a bunch of stuff. Why wouldn't you do that? Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash wrestle. Go do it right now. It's joinhoney.com slash wrestle. I'm going to spell that for you. J-O-I-N. H O N E Y joinhoney.com slash wrestle and keep more of your own money. What a life hack joinhoney.com slash wrestle. And just, you know, the sock in the other one. So there, there were things like that, that, that was a, that, that particular one could be accredited to the nasty boys. If legend were to be believed, but that was, that was a Vince McMahon thing. He always would, if someone took their shoes off on the plane, most of the time, they would lose one. Chat me up about Vince McMahon on a plane because you've told us the Vince McMahon, Michael, or not Michael, but Ted DiBiase story where the guy will put the cigarette out and he offers him all this cash and you realize, oh my God, Vince McMahon is actually the million dollar man. Any other interesting Vince McMahon on a plane stories you can share with us? Okay, I'm, I'm going to share a couple of them with you. But I think one of the scariest funniest at the same time was you know vince is a big guy and vince wrestled uh in high school and in college so a big strong bastard likes to work out and there's this innate tick in some of us that you you always have to test the toughest guy in the room and see what he's really got and on this particular flight Kurt Angle was on the plane and Vince was feeling extra frisky. So Vince had been kind of pushing Kurt and pushing Kurt to where eventually the, the plane was separated into two different sections. And we were in the front half of the plane and it was myself and undertaker in one row. Vince was there with uh, some other folks. Um, can't even remember who the hell else was up there because I was passed out most of the way, but Undertaker had gone to sleep and he was on the aisle. I was on the window on the left side of the plane. And, and Vince 
had been pushing Kurt the whole plane. Come on, pal. Come on. Come on, Olympic boy. And finally tried to hook Kurt Angle. And Kurt responded in kind. And he wasn't trying to hurt Vince, but he was just getting Vince off of him to let Vince know that, you know, hey, I don't want to be fucked with right now or just, no, you're not going to hook me in front of everybody. Well, as this is all going on, it's going on in the aisle right next to us. Undertaker, who's been asleep through this whole thing, wakes up. And when he wakes up, he looks over and he sees Kurt Angle basically attacking Vince. Is all in his mind, that's what's happening. Taker jumps up out of his seat, grabs Kurt, and front face locks Kurt. Now, I'm awake, and I've been seeing this whole thing, so I'm trying to keep Taker from attacking Kurt and Kurt to react in kind, and then we might have a whole big melee. But Taker being the big, you know, once I was like, no, dude, man, it's, it's cool. It's cool. They were just fucking around. They were just fucking around. He was like, oh, never mind. Release Kurt, and Kurt's like, what the fuck was that? And th there were always fun times like that. But I, I remember one particular plane ride. We were going over season it was in a brand new plane and the lining of the plane was white suede beautiful fucking plane and i think this was either the first or the second flight that this plane had ever flown so we get on the plane and we were going to write tv all the way over whatever eight hours to england well, when we do, we get on the plane. Raw had already been written, and Paul Heyman was doing SmackDown at the time, and Paul wanted this time with Vince alone, which none of us were objecting to. We're like, hey, great, man. You go you go for it, big boy. So we, we went over Raw. He gave it the thumbs up, and then Paul's like, I have this, and we were all excused. Well, I go to my seat, and Jerry Briscoe and I are, are sitting there, and, and I got I took a, uh, some medication to help me relax on the plane and maybe get some sleep. The flight attendant came by, gave us each a bottle of red wine, some Merlot. We each had a bottle. And they had red Solo cups, the big cups, for us to drink out of. So I poured myself a glass of wine. I left the bottle on the table. Jerry Briscoe poured himself a glass of wine, filling up the red Solo cup, kept his bottle on the table. And about 30 minutes into the flight, Hame, I see Heyman coming back. And he's walking like only Paul Heyman can walk, almost doot, 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 but a Jewish version. And Heyman comes back and leans in and says, he would like to speak with you now. So why does he want to speak with me, Paul? He has requested your presence to uh, to take a look at the show. I'm like, Paul, you told me you fucking had this, man. I've, I've already I've already gotten ready to go to bed. I'm I'm like I, I'm I'm fucking half a bottle of wine in. I've already taken my Ambien. I took something else to relax a little bit. I'm in no condition to go up and write TV right now. He wants you now. So my table is down. I've got a full glass of wine and a half a bottle of wine. I flip the table up, not thinking because I'm in another world at this point. The wine goes all over the white uh, leather plane. 
goes all over me, goes all over Jerry Briscoe. I'm so pissed off. I get out and I pull my bag down. I change clothes right in the middle of the aisle because I was soaked with wine. And I go up and, I, and I'm pissed. And I said, yeah, what can I do for you? And he says, sit down, pal. And Heyman sits down and goes, I don't need you anymore. And he sent Paul to the back. And I had to spend the remaining five or six hours with Vince rewriting all the television. And when we finally landed, because I don't do the computer thing, I don't type as he, we, we hand write everything. I says, all right, get that typed up, get it out. We got to go. Cause the production meeting was in two hours and, and that was it. And I just was like, what the fuck? But those are, you know, kind of some of the things that, that would happen on the planes from, from time to time. And from time to time, we would have air marshals called on us on commercial flights and, and things like that. But it was, I think it was, you're going to a foreign country or on the way home, man, you've been in a foreign country away from your family. It's hard to communicate over there um, because they didn't have international phones at the time and shit like that. So you're frustrated, you're grumpy, and you just want to disappear. So I think maybe that just adds to the drinking and everything else to kind of disappear for that flight to get back home. What about, uh, Sean Michaels, uh, Sean Michaels and the click ever raise any hell on an international flight. You know what? I don't know that I was ever on an international flight with Sean back in the day. I, I remember there was a time that a, a free bird might have mistaken, um, one of the McMahons for the bathroom. And as he was kind of undoing his pants, uh, triple H was on the, on the flight and triple H and I were se seated equally away from the incident about to take place. And, and both jumped up at the same time and showed Michael where the proper bathroom was. But I, you know what? I don't remember ever being on one of those. And I don't think Sean was there for a lot of that. The, the international plane rides, if you will. Of the the charter ones, and and those charter ones didn't come until really probably the the late nineties, and in that time frame. Did you ever hear about um, Ric Flair maybe doing the robe trick on a plane? God, I've seen Ric Flair do the robe trick so many times on on planes. It's hard to differentiate one from the other. But yes, Rick Rick liked to go into a, a bathroom and come out just wearing his robe. And when I mean just wearing his robe, I mean nothing else on but his robe, his knee-high socks, and pair of Ferragamo shoes. Never got old. Well, I guess it did, but still, same time you. It was always a chuckle to see other people's reactions for the first time. Did anybody uh, play drinking games on these international flights? Like, was somebody keeping score somewhere? <laughs> You know, the, the only, <laughs> the only time that officially people keeping score was a flight from Newark to, I think we went Germany or France and Jerry Briscoe and I had got, got on the plane and it was a really cool plane because it, again, it had pockets and it was me, Jerry Briscoe, Kurt Angle and I think Christian and we had two seats and two seats and they were facing each other. So it was the four of us kind of facing each other and they had Beaujolais wine. And as we got on the plane, 
Tony Gurria walked in. Ah, oh, they have Beaujolais wine. Very, very nice wine. And we proceeded to introduce Kurt and Christian to the finer art of drinking red wine. We put everyone to sleep and drank every bottle of wine on, on the plane. And that's, that was at the point that, and, and to keep in mind, uh, Kurt Angle and Christian were drinking with us, but Briscoe and I got blamed for drinking like 16 bottles of wine. And we were, we were kind of taken off the plane rides for a little while or to, at least told not to drink anymore, but we were harmless. We're fun drunks. 16 bottles might've been a little, yeah, I think that was the number because they had so many cases on and yeah, the bitch counted stooged on us. Mm -hmm. You ever see uh, a stooge Stephanie ever make any of those trips every once in a while, Stephanie would make those trips in later years in the two thousands. Uh, Steph made, I think I was on, God, I really think I was only on one trip with her. No. And that was, and that was the trip where we came back to Cincinnati and John Cena, the rapper was born. And that was the only one. And, and the, she sat up in the, the front section of the plane, uh, on her computer the entire time. Talk to me about, um, the undertaker, you know, he's always been regarded as being sort of the uh, locker room leader, you ever see him get out of pocket on a plane like this or have to get anybody else straightened up? You told us the Kurt angle story, but he ever have to put his foot down. Not really. I think a lot of times his presence was enough that people out of respect to him wouldn't really get too far out of line, but take what enjoy having, uh, either, uh, few bottles of Jack or no, a couple beers or, or some Jack Daniels and just relax and chill out on the plane. But it, it, so that's the thing. It never really got out of hand to where people were, uh, legitimately fighting or grappling in the aisleways. That's why I think that the plane ride from hell was romanticized so much that uh, 30,000 feet that Brock and, Kurt were grappling and yeah, they probably tied up a little bit and bumped into a wall. But by the time they landed and everything else that had happened, um, you know, shit would happen. But uh, British bulldog used to like to take the clippers out from time to time on international flights. And how about a guy like, uh, Andre, the giant big show or Yokozuna, how were they able to manage being on an international flight like that, when they weren't, I mean, they probably didn't have the most accommodating bathroom situation on the plane, right? They didn't go. Uh, Andre would, Andre would take enemas before he would go overseas and he just didn't go to the bathroom overseas or on, or on the flight. He obviously went to the bathroom overseas, but not on the plane ride and he could hold it forever. So it wasn't, wasn't really an issue. And, and Yoko, the same thing. I don't know that Yoko went to the extent of taking enemas before he got on a plane, but Yoko just didn't go to the bathroom and would get on the plane and try to go to sleep. And no, out of respect, nobody really fucked with him. Seriously, how many fucking enemas would it take for Andre the Giant? I mean, <laughs> did, 
did, did he do, I mean, did he, was he able to do his own enemas or did he have to have help with the enemas? Was that Tim White's job too? Over wrong hole. Yeah. I'm not sure whose job it was. I would imagine Andre was skilled at it. Probably would be able to give himself his own enemas. Talk to me a little bit about, um, I mean, the legend, the rumor and innuendo is that for some of the bigger guys, you guys would just have to like throw up like a privacy curtain, like we've seen in some planes before and, uh, just sort of shit right there in the aisle. You Who ever... would shit in the aisle? If Yoko had to go, I don't know. Ah, eh, it could happen, but no. I don't remember anyone ever shitting on a shitting in the aisle. That would just be gross, Conrad. Well, listen, you just told a story about a guy shitting in shoes. I didn't figure. Yes, out but was... he went to the bathroom to do it. Okay. Well, you also told the story about Ric Flair helicoptering his penis around in the aisle. Is that a bad thing? Um. Anybody ever uh, joined the Mile High Club on one of these planes that you know of? That I witnessed? No. Well, no, I didn't ask that. But there... I didn't ask it, it, that you witnessed. Oh, there were rumors and shit about that people said they did. Spill but, it. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, there were rumors Scott Hall did. There were rumors Flair did. There were rumors a lot of people did, but I don't know if they actually ever did. I think the story was bigger than anything that ever happened. Yeah. Um, when it came to these planes, do you remember there being a situation where any of the guys really got tied up and it was like a real fight for real? There were hard feelings when they landed. I think that the closest thing to that was Michael Hayes being pissed off that his hair got cut and wanting to fight everybody. At which time Jerry Briscoe just threw his bad and said, well, let's just fight, Michael. You won't fight. Let's fight. And, uh, I think Michael's about as close as it came to anybody really getting boo-boo face and upset. What about Shane? You know, we talked about, uh, Stephanie, we talked about Vince, uh, Shane ever getting any shenanigans on a plane. Well, see, here's the thing. Uh, no, he didn't because they didn't always travel on that, on the charter planes. Vince did. I, I can count probably two times that Vince ever went on the big charter one time for Steph and Shane, maybe once or twice by the early two thousands by, well, shit by 1999, 2000, they had the plane. So they took, they took their own plane over and they would load that thing up going over and then you had a weight limit going back. And that was great because only a few people, if you were in the right weight bracket <laughs> to go back, you could leave right after the show and you would be in New York by about five o'clock in the morning to be able to get on a plane and get home just about the time everybody else is boarding a plane in the UK to get home. Uh, talk to me a little bit about, and I don't know, you know, if this will ever come up, but there's been lots of rumor and innuendo that guys have heat for not really following wrestler protocol on a charter plane like this. Does everybody have assigned seats or do they know where's acceptable and where's not to sit? Are there certain <laughs> seats that are always claimed? Like according to the legend, we always heard that taker sort of ran the back of the bus crew. Was there like a designated taker seat on the plane? No guys got there and they, they sat with their friends. And if you had, you know, your buddies, you'd probably save seats and say, Hey, so-and-so sitting here, 
but everybody boarded as a group. There were no assigned seats. It was all open seating. There, there were no seats that were better than any other. And you sat with your friends. How often did you guys have the same crew? Was it always the same crew, the same pilot, the same staff? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I don't think we ever did. Usually it was always different crews, different pilots and different flight attendants. It probably would have been a lot, a lot better if you did have the same crew that knew what the hell to expect. Uh, because it was always new and you'd always have to kind of go through a breaking in process with them. That's what I wanted to talk about. Tell me a little bit about that. Do, do you remember one person in particular or an incident in particular where you guys maybe drove someone nuts? Yeah, they all probably went nuts, but I think the biggest thing was getting guys fed. You know, they get on, they're hungry, they're they're grumpy and they're tired. And when you'd have these late night flights and shit, just being able to get everybody fed and guys, oh, I'm hungry, I want to be fed. And, and, and the food was shitty airplane food. It was grilled chicken breast and pasta. It was the same shit. And they had a lot of it, but that was probably the biggest learning curve was who's the drinkers who, who wants more food and just the speed of getting everybody out there. It wasn't a traditional, like a commercial flight. It was as soon as we're up in the air, get them fed, get them drinks, and hopefully they'll go to sleep. Do you remember, uh, anybody being, you know, like to the point where they were threatening to land the plane, like because someone was so wild or out of pocket and, and the staff or the crew was just sort of fed up and over it. No, no, never that bad. It, it, and again, it was, it was never really that bad. I think that the folklore and legend that people had made it out to be, it was, it was like a professional, uh, sports team everybody traveling together. They all know each other, having a good time, having fun with each other, but it was never, it wasn't nearly as out of control as people would like to, uh, imagine in their minds. It, it was no more, it was no more out of control than, you know, commercial flight with a bunch of the boys on it. Just more fun and a little louder. Well, anything else, um, uh, you want to uh, mention here about some of these long international flights? I know that lots of shenanigans, uh, happened, but you're going to deny that some of that happened and oh, it wasn't that bad. Anything else interesting or fun? Well, it wasn't, I mean, uh, of things that I, you're asking me what I witnessed, you know, it really wasn't that bad. And it was, it may, and maybe because there were more of us on the plane. And, and I think that sometimes when, especially events is on the plane, uh, with a few exceptions, guys are going to mind their P's and Q's. So it's, yeah, it was, it was fun, but it was, I think for the most part, that kind of covers a lot of it. And it's, it's guys always traveling together, being confined to a small space and you must coexist and you make the best out of it and have fun with it. Well, I had fun talking about this. I know we, uh, we could never really get to the plane ride from hell, but I'm glad we got to touch on it a little bit. And catch up with uh, all the other flights uh it's been a heck of a year for us and uh, i appreciate you hanging in there with us and i know that bruce has had a lot of uh, personal stuff going on in the family and we appreciate your patience with that but uh i'm excited man i'm encouraged with the support that you guys have shown us and uh i'm ready for 2019 man 
as am I. And I thank you all so very much. I love you. See you next time right here. Something to wrestle on Patron. I've been telling you for a long time that SaveWithConrad.com can save you money, but don't take my word for it. Good morning. Hey, this is Dave Silva. I'm calling from Save With Conrad. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing good, buddy. I'm doing great. I listen to you guys all the time. Man. Oh, man, that's awesome. All five, five, all five podcasts. Okay, so what made you come to Save With Conrad in the first place? Uh, I was just looking to try to refinance my my home and try to get a, a better better deal on my home as well as try to cut out some of my, my credit card and uh, other debts that I had. And I had worked with worked with Derek, and he was he was amazing. Like he answered every question that that I needed answered, and he was able to answer those questions as quickly as possible. If he wasn't able to answer then, he would get back home to me within like within like an hour with with those answers. So he was just flat out amazing to work with. How much money was Save with Conrad able to save you? So they paid off my car, paid off several credit cards. I want to say in the long run, probably about thirty-five, forty thousand 40000 for sure. That's fantastic, man. That's great. Congratulations. Yeah, man. I, yeah, thank you for calling. I really appreciate your call. And like I said, um, I listen to you guys all the, all the time. I've listened to Conrad, ever, uh, Conrad Thompson ever since the Ric Flair show. So. <laughs> So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. Even credit scores in the 500s can be approved. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Oh, and did I mention you could skip your next two house payments? Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.